And so like my soul knew where it needed to be, you know? So I, I think I had a bit more natural alignment in that. Um, Rob also had more trauma in his life than I did. So I think that, that plays a role, but once he started, and once both of us started really taking alignment seriously, yoga, meditation, journaling, all of the things that you do to be spiritually aligned. Once we started to do that, uncovering what we truly wanted was much easier because when your complete alignment with your soul and the first thing that comes on your list is like a Rolex, it's most likely not going to happen, but if it does, that's okay. Maybe it is in alignment for you. You know, like nice things are not bad. It's just, why do you want them? Welcome to the Spiritual Shift Worker Podcast. I'm Lyanne, and I'm so happy that you've pressed play today. This podcast is here to inspire you, but more importantly, to provide you with the tools you may need in order to make a shift in any area of your life. Whether it's a small shift or a big shift, I will be sharing real-life stories from incredible humans who have done both. And of course, as a shift worker, we will navigate all the ups and downs of working shifts, from nutrition to learning how to ditch the overwhelm, to creating more time to do the things that light you up. So grab that Java, sit back, and enjoy. Welcome back, beautiful souls, to another episode of the Spiritual Shipworker Podcast. I am super excited. I say it all the time, but if you can, like, if you could see my face, you would see the smile on my face. Um, as you know, I always re-listen to the conversations that I have in order to edit, take a, take out an intro clip, and this conversation has so filled my soul, inspired me beyond belief. It did the first time around and listening to it again, I'm just like over the moon. My guest in this this week's conversation is Kim Murgatroyd and exactly how I was introduced to Kim, I, I don't even know because it's been a long time. I have been following Kim and her husband Rob's journey from Atlanta to California to Florence, Italy. And if you know me, if you know anything about my life, you know that that is where my soul is. It is in Florence. And I think that's why I resonate so much with Kim, um, but also their journey and how they ended up, how they ended up moving from the US to Florence, Italy. And this is just a really amazing conversation because we don't just talk about that. We talk about a whole slew of things, starting with um, just what actually led them to Italy, but also that their success, and I'll, you're going to get all the links in the show notes, but their success wasn't overnight. And Kim talks about how they started their business before like online stuff, before digital products, and that everything they learned even though it may not have been, quote, a success, it was a success because what they've used in their experience and their connections in their community that they have built over the last few years, what that has led to now. And you get to hear a, a lot of stories in this conversation. Um, but it also, we also talk about, um, you know, dreaming bigger and having a real vision for your life a real vision and how when you are clear on the vision 
that's when you can start all the other steps when it comes to manifestation. And we talk about alignment. We talk about maybe if you're not quite in full alignment with your partner or your spouse and what you need to do about that. And we just have such a great, honest conversation about supporting, you know, the people that you love and that that's one reason why her and Rob have been so successful in manifesting their dreams. So I'm just going to leave it at that. It is a long episode, but it is so great. It flows. I'm again, like I said, I was inspired the first time that Kim and I had this conversation, but having listened to it again tonight, it's lit a little bit of a fire. So I hope it does the same for you to dream bigger, to be grateful for where you are, and to be unapologetic about where you want to go with your life. So grab that Java. Let's dive in. Hey, Kim, how are you this morning, this afternoon, I guess? Which afternoon for me, morning for you. I'm awesome. I'm doing great. I'm excited to be here. Great. Thank you so much. Um, I would just, I know so much and I'm in your world so much about you, but I would love for you to share with the listeners who you are, where you are in the world. And in this version of Kimberly, I was almost tempted to do what Rob does on the podcast. I was almost to get about to give you a middle name. It's weird. <laughs> um, but what are you excited about right now about this version of you in 2023? Gosh. Okay. Well, my name is Kimberly Murgatroyd. I live in Florence, Italy. We have been here now almost two years. Um, and I think what I am, you know, right, Rob and I are right now kind of on the cusp of the next chapter that we're designing and, uh, looking at, we want to do what we want to do. And right now I'm just really excited about, um, enjoying the life we created here in Italy and uh, sharing it with more and more people. We're now doing events here. I'm in the process of writing a guidebook series. And Rob and I really just both want to move into writing. And like, we're writers that live in Tuscany, you know, and we'll probably still podcast and do the other things, but we're really looking and getting excited about the idea of writing more. So. I think that's the new, going to be the new iteration of us, I believe. That's um, so interesting. Is that, is that come, do you think that was, I mean, we probably know that that was always inside of you, but do you think it's really come out now more where you are with the environment that you're in? Um, For Rob, yes. Uh, Rob's funny because Rob's my husband, if you don't know. Um, (laughs) When we were here in 2019, he wasn't a writer, like he was never a writer. And we were here in 2019 and I had to go back to the States for something. And I opened my phone one day and I saw a Facebook post that he wrote, but it looked like he has, he had been hacked by like Francis Mays and it was very under the Tuscan sun. And I was like, what is this? And who hacked my husband and then wrote something like, this is weird, but it was him. And so he had that, like Italy brought something out of him. For me, I have always loved to write, even when I was a child. I mean, I used to enter like young author competitions as a kid. Uh, And I actually wrote 20 guidebooks in our previous company. We did like mini guidebooks uh, and I wrote 20 of those. And we had an old um, blog in our first 
the first phase of online business we had, we um, started a company called Jet Set Life. And it was all messages kind of similar. It was about, you know, don't, don't put off doing incredible things in your life. Like don't wait until you're retired to travel, like take life now, you know, don't save it all up for the rainy day. And, you know, that was kind of our thing. And so we used to shoot travel videos around the world. And once we started to gain some traction with that, we were like, what should we do? And so we wrote guidebooks. We didn't really sell any guidebooks at that time because they were digital and nothing was digital. And uh, it was kind of a joke. People would buy one on Amazon and then email me 30 days later and say, where's my book? And I'm like, it's digital. They're like, what does that mean? I'm like, you, you download well, it. Yeah, you were well before your time. You were before our time. But to circle back, you know, that's kind of where we're going. These will be very different. We're going to be doing this guidebook series um, in story form. And so it's going to be really fun. It'll be fun stories from our life here in uh, Italy and the things that we encounter and the people we encounter and also really valuable information as well. So I think you know, for me, it's kind of always been there. And right now this is where it's coming out. I've written a couple of children's books, um, but yeah, awesome. it's the beginning. I love that creativity is, it comes out in so many different forms. And I, uh, probably middle of March, I went and saw Elizabeth Gilbert, um, here in the city. And I'm, I was just, I'm still blown away by her, her talk. It was two and a half hours. And then I downloaded big magic and yeah. I'm like, I've been listening to it. Like everyone has this inside of them. And yet mm-hmm. so often because of life, um, we, we hide it away or we don't think we have time for it. And so I love, I think that's the thing that I resonate the most with you and Rob is that it's, it's time to stop waiting yeah. to live. Right. Hey. And like, yeah, go ahead. Given one life, right. Yeah. Like, I think, I mean, maybe we come back. I don't know, but one life this go round. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what this, um, the theme about the, this podcast, the spiritual shift worker podcast, I have a little bit of play on words in the fact that I am a shift worker, but that I've really turned to this more inward journey over the last few years. So I'm wanting people to see how easy it is to make shifts in their life and help them do that. And it's like, it can be small. It, or it can be big. Like you guys didn't just move to Italy overnight. And I've been like, I know your journey, but I would love for you to share it like way from back to the Atlanta days. Yeah. How you sort of ended up living in Florence. You know, it's a, it's an interesting thing. We actually talked a little bit about this on an episode in our, we recorded today for our podcast, but you know, when I go back to Atlanta, I'm from New Hampshire and Rob's from New York. And we both ended up in Atlanta somehow and found each other 20 years ago. And we both loved Italy from the beginning. I had come here when I was 16. He had been here multiple times as well. He has Italian ancestry. His mother's Italian and uh, his mother, Cecilia DeVito, like it doesn't get more Italian than that. And, um, So we always had this love for Italy and Florence was actually our first international vacation together. And, uh, which is kind of telling, you know, and we, we fell in love here and, you know, kind of created this, but 
at the time, 20 years ago, he was a chiropractor and I was an exercise physiologist. That was our job, you know, and we started to work together a little bit in his clinic uh, after we had started dating and we liked to travel. So it was just easier if we, if I didn't have to ask for time off. So we just worked together and, and made that work, but we were really working six days a week, long shifts and dreaming of a different life. And we loved travel so much. So we created this passion project that I said before, Jets at Life. We decided we love travel. We're creative. Um, YouTube had just come out. (laughs) It was like new video podcasts was a new thing. And so we said, let's travel and let's shoot some travel shows and let's see what comes of it, you know? And so we did, and we shot our own. We created this little cult following. Um, But like I said, sold guidebooks, never let anyone, (laughs) didn't really sell that many, Uh, was a bit of ahead of our time on that. And then after 20 destinations, we had to look at it and go, okay, so we're doing a lot of work here and there's not much return. That's what we said at the time. What I look back now and I see is um, everything we did in that time period set us up for where we are now. So it was definitely not for nothing. Uh, but it didn't replace our income. It didn't take us out of the day job. And uh, so we continued to work in the clinic and we stopped doing Jet Set Life and had a baby. So we had an older daughter and we had a baby and we sat down one day and we played stupid idea time and came up with all kinds of ideas of ways we could replace our income. We went into network marketing, which actually ended up being pretty lucrative for us and allowed us to create a transition into um, going back to podcasting. So, you know, we had the clinic, we came into network marketing, built up a business there, created some good income. So Rob could start to shift into podcasting and then into events. And hosting these international masterminds with his work hard, play hard brand. And, you know, he had always dreamed of living in Southern California. I had always dreamed of living in Italy. So when we hit the point where we actually did replace our income, I came home one day and I said, we're, we're done. And we're not going to do this anymore. We're not doing this chiropractic clinic thing anymore. We're miserable with it. It creates so much stress, so much pressure. I'd rather tone down our life and live in a box and do what we have to do to get where we want to be than to keep having the stress and this pressure. And so he agreed and we ended up selling the clinic finally, you know, successfully the way all things happen when you commit to it. uh, The universe definitely conspired in our favor because we had it sold within 30 days and that was 2018. And so I asked him, I said, you know, listen, I know we're going to move to California now at the time we were in Atlanta. I said, I know we're going to move to California now that we don't have this clinic, but could we first just, you have two events in Europe. You have an event in June in Monaco and you have an event in Florence, of course, in October. What if we just stayed in Europe between the two? And so we did. He said, no problem. We'll do that. And then we'll move to California. So, okay. So we did that and we went to eight different cities, but the majority of our time was spent here in Florence and he fell in love with it on such a deep level. 
I got to live out my lifelong dream of extended time here. And our little one also fell in love with it. And so leaving was very difficult, but Rob had always dreamed of California. So we left and we went to California and uh, to Southern California, just outside of Los Angeles in a little beach city. And it was great. And we really, you know, Rob slid right into it. I cried every day, but Rob slid right into it. It was his dream. I wanted to be in Italy. And uh, he was like living a sun-kissed commercial. And then the pandemic hit and all those things. And things had to shift again, right? Like we all had to learn how to be home all the time. And we had, I mean, when you do travel events around the world and the pandemic shuts everything down, that's hard, you know? So we went through some different challenges, created some new products. And then one day we were sitting on the couch watching Stanley Tucci searching for Italy, the Florence episode. And Stanley said something like, when I was a kid, my dad did a one-year sabbatical in Florence, Italy, and it changed my life. And Rob's paused it and he looked at me. He said, what are we doing? Why are we here? I was like, hallelujah. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, amen. You're not going to get an argument from me. And uh, so we did a really scary thing, but I have to tell you, it's like going through the pandemic and all the things and having to really get creative on income and get creative on impact and get creative on what you do with your time. And like that allowed us to feel, I think a bit more like we can do this from anywhere, even though we didn't have a physical location to go to at the time made us feel that way. So we came, so we, we called our attorney and said, get us to Italy. And when I tell you that, we were meant to be here. There was so much momentum. That's like unexplainable momentum. We couldn't have stopped the ball rolling once it started. Like Matthew McConaughey talks about green lights. I don't know what's better than green, but we had that. We had, we had like, I don't know, lime green lights. It was crazy. It was, this city was pulling us here. And, um, and that's it. And we came here and now we're, we're changing it up again. And we're really zoning in on what's truly important to us and what do we want to do and how do we want to serve and what is, uh, what is our zone of genius and how can all the things. And we're, we're doing lots of reflection right now as Rob's writing his book and I'm beginning these books. It's an interesting place to be in. Um, and I feel like we're on the cusp of something, something new and fun and different too. So uh, I love I it. Also I think we got some, it all. Yeah, <laughs> I love it all. And I think there's a few things that I really want to touch on here. One is how you, um, you sort of let you detached from the outcome, right? You talked about Jet Set Life and how, um, you know, you sold a little bit, but you didn't really get anything like to replace that income. And yet you obviously had you didn't let that bother you. You just moved on and weren't attached to the having to have it work. And it appears that seems to be a theme, right? Letting go of the outcome. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, Jet Set Life was interesting because we chart, we started it for fun. We started it because we had a day job and we were bored and we love to travel. And this thing 
called video when <laughs> popped up, you know, one pixel video, but it happened. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, in video editing, like Apple came out with whatever that, I don't know, iMovie, you know, and all of a sudden anyone could be a video editor and, and it was fun. And it was really more of a creative outlet for us. But then we, as we were doing that and started to gain some traction in it and read Tim Ferriss's four hour work week, we were like, okay, well, we should find a way to monetize this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we did some other products too. So the guidebooks were an epic fail, but we did do some other products that were not um, such an epic fail, but they didn't have legs. They didn't, they were kind of one and done products and it wasn't our path, you know, and that's the thing that was really frustrating in the time that was 10 years ago. So I can look back now with hindsight and grace and see what was coming through, but it was, um, it was very difficult in the time. It took a lot of our time to shoot the videos and then, uh, edit the videos and then promote the videos and, and then all the things that came with it. And, um, I remember us talking about it and Rob's like, we need to be done with this. Like it's a time suck for us and we could be doing other things. And I was like, God, but I just feel like I kept, I remember I kept saying to him on our car rides, it's bigger than this. I can feel that it's bigger than this. Like whatever this is and these products are, I feel like it, like it is. And I look at now where we went with it. And so in Jet Set Life, we worked with hotel. Like, keep in mind, this is before social media. This is before influencers. This is before Instagram, TikTok. This is before any of that. I used to walk around with a camera in my purse, wired mics, and we... I mean, sometimes hotels would comp us, sometimes restaurants would comp us, and that kind of it, part of it was fun, but this world that exists now didn't then, you know? Um, and so it was a really, it was a really fun and interesting thing, but we worked with a lot of hotel brands, restaurants, met a lot of people in our travels that we stayed connected to. And so when we circled back around And Rob launched the work hard, play hard experiences where we would do these like bucket list trips for high performers. When he launched that, the first trip we did was Boston. And we called the hotel general manager that we worked with when we did our Boston show. And we we had known her for over a decade. And so she connected us with Tom Brady's people. And like, so we were through those connections is how we were able to build these trips. Our travel team in Europe that organizes these trips came from a connection that we built during our Jets at Life days. We did a show in Monaco and we, a friend of a friend introduced us to someone who showed us around Monaco back in the day. And we called him and said, Hey, we're going to do this trip. Do you know any fixers or people that can help us build it. He's like, I do. And they became our team for the last five years. We've worked with them. Like, so everything we did in those times, even Florence, like living here now, it's funny because people always comment on um, how we've gotten connected so quickly in Florence, but that's because we've been coming here for 20 years and we built connections with local hotel owners and general managers and people in Florence, restaurant owners for the last 20 years that are still here. And so we've been coming back and we've maintained these relationships. 
authentically um, as customers as well. And so we've been able to be pretty dialed in. And so when I look back now and I go, wow, we had this business that was so fun. And also in some ways, such a, a failure on paper, but it was not a failure in other ways. Um, there's a lot of people that used to watch those videos that are now in our circle of friends that we didn't know then. And they're in our circle of friends now doing really big things. And, you know, it's interesting how it all comes together. And so, yeah, without that first failure in our company, a lot of what we've done in the last decade would never have happened. Yeah, uh, I think you sharing that is so, so important because a lot of people and they see it on social media where they see the quote, overnight success, where people are doing these, like, for example, the big events and things like that, and having it sold out within three days. And it's like, wow, how did they do that? It took 10 years, it took 10 years or 20 years of of true authentic connections. Mm -hmm. And I think you sharing that is so important for people when they're um, at the beginning stages of something and feeling that, like you said, there's something more, it's something bigger, but just don't know. And when it's good, what it is. So I appreciate that so much. I want to swing back to the beginning where you talked about, you knew it was always Italy for you. And yet Rob was, was, was already in California. And I know that we have talked about this inside your uh, VIP community where, what do you do when, you know, you're in one spot, you're already there, like you're visually there and your partner or your spouse is somewhere else and being able to come together to create that. And I know I love the, what you call stupid idea time, because for women, I think it's easier to go there, um, to dream, to, to visualize. And in my own personal experience, it's, it's a challenge to get my husband to go there, to dream bigger, um, so what do you, like, what, what were you guys going through? Like, oh my God, he wants to go to California. You cried every day. Like that would have been, that's, that's me. It's like, I know where my heart is. Yeah. We're not on the same page yet. Right. Well, you know, here's the thing. So Rob and I, so many years ago, actually it was Tim Ferriss's book that prompted us to do this. And uh, Tim said in the book, he had a, a format of what do you want to have, be, and do? And that's, we use that now in our, in our courses and conversations and coaching. Um, but what do you want to have, be, and do is really important because a lot of times you, you're like, okay, I'm going to build a business and I'm going to make some money and I'm going to put the million dollar check on my vision board. But you don't really know why or what it's for. And you, you have an idea maybe, but you don't sit down and really figure it out. And so Rob and I printed out this form and it was like, what do you want to have? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? And this little spreadsheet. And so we put some music on and we poured a glass of wine and we wrote it out. And when we were both done, we looked at each other and he's like, you want to go first? And so I read mine and I had like, I want to be, I want to be an author. I want to, um, dance. I wanted to take dance lessons, like, like adult think lessons for little kids, but like for adults, um, didn't even know if that existed. Uh, and I said, I want to live in Italy. And so he went through his 
And it's how I want to live in California. And we kind of looked at each other and just started laughing because we we're obviously married. And I was like, well, that should be interesting. And we went, okay, well, let's talk about this. And so we, at the time, mapped out a plan where we thought we would be able to, we got really connected to the how instead of the vision. And that was our first mistake because you don't need to do that. Uh, it's actually stops the flow of uh, manifestation when you lock too hard down on the how instead of the the vision. And we started to really think it through. We're like, okay, we could do this, this, and this and get to this point. And when this kid is this age, then we could do half the year in Italy and half the year in Florence and I'm sorry, in California. And at the time, that seemed like a great idea. Obviously, it's not how it worked out. Because then we had another kid, and you can't really just half the year everywhere. Uh, different, but the way that we come and we kind of figure out how to work within difficulty like that is it's a lot of foundational relationship work, to be honest. We have a very good relationship. We've done a lot of work, um, Gottman work, Tony Robbins work, work on ourselves, work together and understanding each other. And the biggest thing I think we have going for us that I see is a problem in a lot of couples is we truly want each other to have the life they want, like authentically. He came home at 45 years old and said, I want to, I want to start DJing, like nightclub DJing, not wedding DJing. Like he wanted to be like Tiesto, you know? And most women would look at him and go, you're crazy. And this is a midlife crisis and judge it. And I was like, great, let's go get you DJ equipment. You know, that's what I, I, because I want him to experience the most out of life. I want him to be happy and when I see in couples that they don't have that kind of thing, if I'm talking to the woman, she's like, yeah, but he doesn't do it for me. Why would I feel that way for him? And so it becomes like a horse trading situation. And I don't have a fix for that other than to do the work. Like if you really want to stay together and you really want to be aligned as a couple, you need to do the work. And I, I want him to have his best life and he wants me to have my best life. And so I will, at the time I would break through walls to get him to California and he would break through walls to get me to Italy. And that's just how we, how it shows up for us. We play Tony Robbins has three levels of relationship and the lowest level is I do me, you do you. And if we see each other and come together, that's cool. And then the middle level is I care about you and I want good things for you, but I'm going to put my needs first, you know, and then the top level, the level we play at is your needs are my needs. Your wants are my wants. And I will never tell him that something he wants to do is stupid. I will never judge whatever he comes up with because I have some, something wrapped up in it. Cause it would be, it, it would always be something about me. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, we moved to Italy and he went from wearing sweatpants every day in California to, um, literal, I'm, I'm in our office right now, but literal bespoke suits. Okay. Custom yeah. suits. So it's sort of, you know, I could judge that. 
And I joke about it, but I don't, I don't actually judge it. Um, but I think doing the work, uh, John Gottman is great. Tony Robbins has relationship course. It's great. Doing that work and doing the work to get you aligned is big. Second thing is where the personal work comes in when you mentioned not, um, not dreaming. I think, I don't know if it's a male, female thing, but I do know there's a lot of women that also feel this way. Um, that they only want to dream what they think is possible versus use their imagination. And so they have a lot of limiting beliefs. They were told somewhere along the line that that's not possible. And there's a lot of things like when we told my parents, we were going to move to Italy in three months. They were like, what? Well, you just moved to California. Don't you have the lease? Don't you have this? Don't you have that? What about the car? What about the, I'm like, I don't know. We'll figure it out. Like anything is possible. Like if you asked me five years ago, when we were still working in our chiropractic office, if we'd be living in Florence, Italy, it's a joke to say, Rob just taught, he was a guest lecturer, one of the universities here last week or two weeks ago. Like if you told me that was our life, I would have laughed. I would have been like, you're not talking about me. You know, although I wanted it, I would have been like, this is too soon. It could never happen that quickly. Oh no, it can. Yeah. Does that answer? A lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think you're right. If you can't, if you can't be on the same, again, alignment is a huge buzzword right now, but you really do need to be on the same line. Mm -hmm. If you want to, live your best life each. And I love how you said that, right? You, what you want him to live his best life and he wants the same for you. And so I know that for you, like you mentioned the vision. And so you sat down and created this vision and, and then five years, when you sit back and look, holy crap, five years, that's not very long. And yet at the time you're probably, my God, five years is so far away. But right. it goes so fast. Like just before we pressed record, we were talking about how fast our kids grow. Like in the big scheme of things, five years is nothing. In the scheme of your life, like five years can go by in an instant. Yeah. And five years, I mean, we're five years later, but we've been here almost two years. Yeah. So it's like, like, you know, five-year plans. Actually, that was the podcast we uh, reported today. It was on uh, five your five-year plan and how that's not accurate and not really a great thing to make. You can go for what you think you want next and maybe it'll take five years, but making a five-year plan, so many things are going to happen between now and then that you're not going to be able to account for that are going to shift. And the biggest thing, you know, if you want to get aligned with your spouse or your partner on vision, I think the biggest thing is you first need to be aligned with yourself because if you don't get an alignment yourself, and when I say alignment, I I mean, your podcast is spiritual, right? Spiritual based. So I can get a little woo woo. Yes, please do. (laughs) Yeah. If you are not in alignment with your higher self, your inner being, whatever your soul, whatever you want to call it, then what takes over is your personality. So I don't know if you've read Seed of the Soul, but your personality and your soul are two separate things, right? And the personality is the thing 
that you got when you came into this world to create the triggers for you to learn the lessons so your soul can heal and do what it came here to do. And often the personality and the soul are so separate. And when you come into alignment is when the personality and the soul meet. And that's when you're going to do your best work. And so when I think back to the first have be do that Rob and I did, mostly Rob, I'm not throwing him under the bus here, but he was more, more ego and personality, I think, than I was. There was a lot of things on that list that were driven by personality and ego and not alignment. And so going after the the Maserati or whatever the things were, those were more ego personality driven things um, and not soul driven things. Whereas when I came to Italy when I was 16 and I stepped off the plane in Florence and my feet touched the cobblestone, I was like, yeah, no, this is my home. And I don't know if I've lived here before in a past life. I don't know what this is. And I was 16 and I had no words for this feeling, but I knew I was home and I've been trying to get back ever since. And so like my soul knew where it needed to be, you know? So I I think I had a bit more natural alignment in that. Um, Rob also had more trauma in his life than I did. So I think that that plays a role. But once he started, and once both of us started really taking alignment seriously, yoga, meditation, journaling, all of the things that you do to be spiritually aligned, once we started to do that, uncovering what we truly wanted was much easier. Because when you're complete alignment with your soul, and the first thing that comes on your list is like a Rolex most likely not going to happen, but if it does, that's okay. Maybe it is in alignment for you, you know, like nice things are not bad. It's just, why do you want them? You know? Um, and why do you want them first is the bigger thing. <laughs> like, it's like being car poor or watch poor. You can't pay the rent, but you got the Rolex, you know, that's, I think where the bigger issue comes, but once you're in true, true, true alignment, with yourself, then being in alignment with each other, because I think your souls can talk on a deeper, more spiritual level when you're in alignment and naturally you will become on the same page. And if you're not like, I was willing to just do this three month stint in Italy and then go to California. And I did, and it was hard for me when we went to California, it was very hard. I like, I I put on a brave face And I, and I did all the things and I rode the bike and I did, I made the best of it. Like I didn't, you know, sit and cry all the time. Uh, But daily interactions were really hard for me because here I go to the market and my interactions are very different. You know, the, um, my produce stand guy, Leo gives me uh, this like Italian starter kit for basically any recipe. It's like a piece of celery, a carrot, Uh, an onion, a garlic, you know, and it's like in a little bag and it's a gift, you know, you buy three things and it's a gift. Um, And I just missed the interaction and and the connection, which is what made me sad. And so when I would go to the grocery store and to Publix and I do this, like, you know, how much boar's head do you want? Half a pound? (laughs) How thin? And that was like it. I would leave there. And that's why I would cry, honestly. But I, I was willing to do it because I wanted him to have what he wanted 
But at the end of the day, it's not really what he wanted. And that's actually what he's writing the book on right now, Mm. Um, because it was him realizing that this dream he had had for his entire life since he was 16 turned out to be kind of a shell. And yeah. And what he really needed was here. And uh, yeah. So I think that the more aligned you get, the more the silly things fall away and the more aligned you get together. Oh, I love that so much because I feel the same. Like I, I, when I first was in Italy, I felt the same way. And it's funny because I have been there four or five times and it's been a while, but I took my husband there for our honeymoon and that's been a long time. Um, but yeah, it's like, there's something where I say, and anybody who knows me, it's like, that's where my soul is meant to be. Mm-hmm. And no matter what path I take, I know I'll end up there. And having that trust and that faith is sort of what, again, like you making life bearable in California, like, you know, you did the best of it. You were grateful, I'm sure. But yes, knowing that you would get there eventually. Look, and by the way, for your listeners, I feel bad because it's like, oh God, poor girl had to live at the beach in California. It's not, it's not that it was a bad place or it was so horrible or anything like that. It just wasn't what was filling my personal soul. And, uh, and that's, you know, and I'm allowed to have that. Yeah, <laughs> it just absolutely. isn't. And by the way, my kid, not a fan, like she was begging, can we please go back to Italy? Can we please go back to Italy? She needed it. And she was five years old and she was like, I don't want to be here. I want to be back in Italy. And, um, so that was a big driver as well. I think our kids, especially even for listeners that don't have children, having them be able to voice their opinion and say, this makes me feel good. This doesn't make me feel good. And being able to be honest with themselves, right? That's where so often as adults, like you said, we aren't honest with what we really, really want, right? Mm -hmm. Like I have a 22 year career where it's just not fulfilling anymore. And people will be like, yeah, but you're you have a pension, you get paid well. Okay. Yes. All those things are great, right? We have a beautiful home, but when it starts to not fulfill you on that soul level, that's where you have to start going and pulling back the layers and say, okay, well, you know, like we said at the beginning, this is possibly the only life that you have here. You better figure out a way to figure it out. Right. And you want to live your best life, right? Like when you become more aligned in who you really are and you're doing the things that you're meant to do, that's when you're going to do your greatest work and make your greatest contribution to the world, you know? And so the pension and the thing and the thing, that's all great. And I'm super grateful. Like sometimes I think where people get it wrong is, and I know we did for a while, we thought if we were grateful for where we were, that better wouldn't come in a weird way. And so we wanted to complain about where we were just to make it known (laughs) that we wanted something better, right? Uh, And then we figured out that you can't complain your way out of your current reality. And so being grateful for what you have, but really freaking excited about what's to come is manifestation. It's like, that is what it is. And so I didn't love going to the clinic 
It wasn't my favorite thing in the world to do, but we had some great patients and we made good money and we did good work and we helped people. And so we hit a point where we started to really focus on that. And we started to get really grateful about even, even though we didn't love it, we started to get really grateful about what we did have and the parts of it we did have. And when we did that, that became more palpable for us. Like that became more um, easier to go into the clinic, easier to do the work because we had gratitude in the parts of it that we were, that we enjoyed. And it also sped up the process of getting out of it, ironically, right? So it seems oxymoronic, but the more complaining you do, the longer you'll be there. (laughs) That's just, think of it that way. The more you complain about your job, the longer you're going to be in it. So let's not complain. Let's love it for where it is and how far it's gotten you and what is around you and what it's been able to allow you to do. And let's create a vision of what we really want our life to look like. And not when we say a vision, it's not a list of things. You know, I think the have, be, and do, what do you want to have? What do you want to be? What do you want to do? is a good starting point. But Rob and I like to start at, what do you want your life to look like when you open your eyes in the morning? First of all, where do you want to open your eyes? Do you want to be, what city do you want to be in? What country do you want to be in? What and that's where like the, the first big dream happens, right? Because a lot of people also think the moment they think about living somewhere else, they think about all the things that need to be done to get to the other place and how horrible moving is, you know, and don't go there. Just where would you like to wake up? I'd love to wake up uh, in a log cabin on a lake in the mountains. Great. Where? Like, Just keep building on the feeling and figuring out that vision for what you want. Not necessarily the list of things you want, but the the vision of what you want your life to truly, truly look look like and keep that as your North star. Yeah, that's, it's, it's really, that's the key, right? It's not about, I mean, yeah, you said it before. Okay. Maybe there are things that your soul is fully in alignment with, with the thing, but at the end of the day, it's, it's really creating a lifestyle and right. where is that? And, and, and maybe it is where you are, but maybe there's yeah. something more that you get to add to that. So yeah. what is the, um, like you guys offer a course that teaches people how to do this, but we talked about one thing, but what is the biggest thing that people miss when they're trying to manifest this, this dream life? Cause I think since COVID and because of COVID, so many people are shifting out of this mm-hmm. paradigm of the, I must work 30 years in a career that I hate to have the pension and then live my life. I see yeah. it so yeah. much that people are shifting out of that. But what is the biggest thing that maybe they miss in order to actually get there? They miss creating the clarity around what they want, because a lot of people think about the pension. Then when I retire, I will do all the things. Well, what are all the things? List them. What are all the things? Is it, I'm going to wake up without an alarm clock. I am going to list them out and create the vision now. People don't do it. They think about the how. They think about what they can do to get there. They think whether it's the 30-year career, the pension, I'm going to sell this much of this. I'm going to uh, build this company and sell it. I'm going to, they think about the how, but they don't think about the vision. And until you get crystal clear on your vision of your life. It's kind of like getting into a car without knowing where you're going. 
and just driving around aimlessly. You don't, you might stop along the way and see some cool stuff, but where are you going? Like, what's the direction? So I think the biggest thing that people don't do is spend the time to get clear. And even when we do this, like we did a vision board, uh, I'm not a vision board, sorry, a vision workshop the other day. And in the vision workshop, people were like, okay, okay, okay. So I, I get the vision, but then how do I get it? to make it happen. And I'm like, no, 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 no. (laughs) You don't get to go there yet. You, everyone wants the how everyone wants the game plan. Everyone wants the next action step to take, to build the business, to create the money, to do whatever, but they haven't created the clarity on what they want and clarity precedes momentum. So the biggest thing people don't do is create the vision because once you create the vision, Then every day you sit down and you manifest the vision. Rob and I have a written vision for our life. We have a visual representation of that vision. Call it a vision board. But it's not, it's not one. We didn't go to Barnes and Noble, get a stack of magazines. Like we have a very specific protocol of how we do this. So we first figure out what we want. Then we create the written vision that is emotional. When Rob reads it to me, it makes me want to cry. He can barely get the words out when he reads it because it is so real to us and it is what we want. Written vision, great. Auditory, visual representation, right? Visual, vision board. But then we sit every day and we go through different things to manifest it. Well, what does that look like? Looks like maybe he reads it to me and we talk about it and we talk about what that would be like. Or we look at the board. I remember when we were, we had the California vision board up when we were in Atlanta and we had the coffee shop we wanted to go to and we had the yoga studio I wanted to join and we had the house the backyard that we were after. And we had all of these things up on the board and we pick one or two pictures and just talk about it. And so like, let's take the yard. So we would take it and talk about it. Well, what do you want to do in the yard? Like what, like, why do you want a yard? And we would talk about the yard. Well, I want to play badminton with Sophia in the yard. I want to start a vegetable garden. I, I really like butterflies. So I'd like to plant some flowers that butterflies come to. Do they have hummingbirds? And then we'd open up the computer and it would like, I'd start looking, do hummingbirds exist in California? Like things like that. I remember we got so into it that Rob was talking about surfing. He had never surfed before. Uh, and so he was like, yeah, I want to surf. And I was like, do you wear a wetsuit? Cause it has to be cold. And he was like, yeah, you wear a wetsuit. Um, and so we looked up wetsuits and he was like, what is this three quarter, one quarter, one eighth. He's like, what does this mean? So he's like calling surf shops, talking them about wetsuits and what wetsuits he needs for different seasons. Like we have literally no move date. We're calling from Atlanta to talk about wetsuits. That's manifestation. That's how you speak it into existence because we talked about it as if it were done when we would talk about California in those years. People were like, so when are you moving? No idea, but we know it's coming, you know, and that, and and that's it. So that, but none of that can happen. None of that can accelerate without the crystal clear vision. And I can't emphasize how much that is uh, the biggest priority that you need to make. If you're trying to make a shift, you need, what are you shifting to? 
another job. That's not the vision. Your vision isn't to get a different paycheck. Your vision isn't to get different income. You know, the joke is everyone wants to stop being an employee to get their own gig. So you you stop working nine to five to work 24 seven, like, right. You're not, you're not just switching your paycheck. Like, what do you want for your life? And I think that's the, that's the number one thing. So that's why we created the course, right? The ultimate vision course was for that purpose. We've done this so many times now we've manifested so many visions and it's not just about manifestation isn't, okay, I see what I want. We talk about what we want and then just appears one day. No, the idea appears one day, the opportunity appears one day. When you're thinking about buying a certain car and that car keeps showing up, that's because that is what you're doing. And you, it works the same in business. Rob's writing a book right now and he got nudged. He's like, someone was like, this sounds like it'd be a great movie into his life. Like sprinkles. Like it was like, someone's up there going and put this person in here. It's like, here's the producer of a really big, like Oscar winning movie that we're just going to plop in front of you here. And then here's someone who wrote 10 New York times bestsellers. And then here, like all these people just flooding into the world. Why? Because he has a clear vision of what he wants. Those opportunities show up and then you take inspired action. And that's, that's what manifestation is. It's not sitting your ass on the couch and waiting for your life to change. That's not it. It's sitting your ass on the couch talking about it. And then when the opportunity nudges you or you get that inspired action, you take it, right? Mm, and that's where people get it wrong, I think, is that they feel, well, I've, I, I know what I want-ish. And then it's like just waiting for something to happen. No, you still need to take the action, but take the action in the talking about it and then figure out, you know, be so clear. I think people are just, there's so much about manifestation right now or what people think is manifestation. And the the idea even coming to you is a manifestation from your inner being because it's like, this is it. And you can get hit in the face once or you can wait for the two by four. But it's like, which way would you rather take it? Take the first little nudge. And like you said, I'll have all these other things just appear. I've just had that actually uh, in my own life. I've have done sort of a same thing with you guys, getting the vision really freaking clear and have dreamed about having like a meditation retreat. Little did I know that one of the girls that I met in a po- on a podcast, she's like, hey, I've been thinking about doing a meditation retreat in S- Sedona. I'm like, oh, really? Oh, okay. And it's like, just be open right. to the possibilities. Like, yeah. it's like, I would, if I had never said, Hey, let's jump on a call and talk about, it would never have happened. Like you just don't know until you literally are open to anything. I have, I, I'm going to tell you, Rob asked me the other day, we just recorded our 500th episode. Okay. Oh, congratulations. And That's amazing. It was so it was so fun. And so we decided, I'll give you a little, uh, little sneak peek. We decided to ask each other questions from his, um, interview podcast interview series that of questions he has, and they're fun questions. Hmm. And he asked me something. I can't remember what the question was, but it was like, what, what's the biggest lesson that you've learned in the past few years. And the biggest lesson I've learned is to trust my intuition. And what that means is not 
necessarily in like big things like the universe, God, whatever gives you all kinds of opportunities to practice intuition. And so there are days and I play with it now and it's fun. So play this game with yourself. We talk to ourselves all day long, right? We get the chatter in the brain. So there are some days where I'm like walking out the door and I get a little nudge. I call it a nudge and it's, you know, Hey Kim, grab the umbrella, you know, something like that. Like I get a little pop in my brain, like maybe I should get my umbrella. And I'm like, I look at the thing. I'm like, nah, it's not going to rain. And then I go out and downpours or today hail, like crazy hailstorm in the middle of May. Okay. But I got the nudge to get my umbrella and I used to like disregard it based on logic. I don't need to listen to this nudge because logically I don't need it. Now, if I feel the nudge for anything, I take action on it. And I, and I've learned that when I don't, I pay for it. And it might not be a big pay for it. It might be a getting stuck in the rain pay for it, but I pay for it. And so now I play with myself and I'll walk down the street and I'll um, see a coin on the ground. I don't need the five cents, right? Mm-hmm. But um, if I feel the nudge, I'm like, I pick up the five cents. I acknowledge it to the universe. I'm like, I see you. Thank you for this gift. And then I'll put it somewhere else so someone else that needs it can pick it up, right? But I see the nudge and I take the nudge. There are so many little things like that that happen in your day. Tiny things. Close your shades. Open your windows. You know, lock your car door. Don't lock your car door. I don't know. There's lots of tiny, tiny, tiny little things that happen. If you can practice with the small things, then listening to the big things gets easier. And there's never been a time in my life where I have not listened to my intuition and it worked out, (laughs) right? Like if I didn't listen, I went out with that damn boy and look what happened, you know, or whatever the case may be with the bigger things, it, it matters. And so learning to listen to your intuition, your intuition is your inner being. It's your higher self. It's your soul. It's your all those things, right? That's all basically the same thing. And that's there to guide you. It's trying to guide you, but you have to be open to listening. That same intuition is going to give you ideas. The other day I was sitting with Rob, maybe two weeks ago and three weeks ago. And I said, Rob, I keep getting this nudge and I tried to ignore it, but I keep getting this nudge we need to do a group coaching. And he's like a group coaching. Like this isn't the time to we're going into summer. Like this is not the time to launch a 90 day group coaching program. People are traveling. Like we're traveling. This is like all the logical things in the world would say, don't do it. Yeah. And I said, I don't know. It just, it keeps popping up for me. So we said, okay, let's flush this out. So we flushed it out and we actually came up with a really great plan for how we can lay out this coaching, how we can help people, what we can do. And it's three quarters sold out. Yes, it's summer. Yes, it's what, but it's three quarters sold out. And it was just a nudge I got that that I couldn't shake, you know? And so learning to listen to those small voices 
is where the guidance happens. So you create the vision, you got the clarity, you're doing the work, you're staying in a positive vibration, you're staying in a manifesting vibration, you're doing the work, you're you're being grateful for where you're at, you're excited about where you're going, you got your vision, you're ready to go, and you're listening for the nudge, you're listening for the opportunity, you're listening for the idea. And here's the thing about the idea. Imagine there's like a pool of ideas in the world and you're connected to it. And someone goes, here's the idea. Do the group coaching, do the thing, do the thing. And you ignore it. That idea is going to someone else. A thousand percent. That idea is not, it's not your idea. Like it is literally an idea that needs to come into this world. You are the vessel for it. But if you're going to say no, then someone else is going to get it. Mm. And this goes back thousands of years where people on opposite sides of the earth did the same thing, wrote the same thing, had same inventions come out at the same time. They're not copying each other. They're literally getting the nudge for the same idea. So yeah. if you don't take action, someone else will. Oh. You know? I did actually uh, one of my solo episodes a couple of weeks ago. Again, it was inspired by Elizabeth Gilbert's speak speech that I went to. And she talked about exactly that, where she had started to write this book about the Amazon jungle and, and then life got busy and then she put it beside, aside. And then a few years later, she runs into another author who has written the exact same book, like mm-hmm. other than a few little differences. And it's like, they couldn't understand. It's not like she stole it from her. And then the funniest thing is that I had that book. I've had that book wow. sitting in my book bedside table since 2013. I'm wow. reading it now, obviously, because I'm like, well, that's a sign. But yeah. it's like, and it's it's like something that obviously I asked for in 2013, but just got it put away. And I'm loving it. It's called uh, State of Wonder uh-huh. by Ann Patchett. But it's like. Yeah, the universe has the ideas. And if you're not willing to be the vessel, it will literally give it to somebody else. And when when you explain it like that, it's easier for them to understand that it's not about you. Mm-hmm. That it's you're like, this idea has just been given to me. And it's easier than to get past those barriers of the imposter syndrome, the limiting beliefs and who am I and all that bullshit that goes in your head, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's, it's just like the name of my podcast came to me on a walk. Like, I didn't know what the hell I was doing with that. I'm like, I don't know what the hell that means, but it, it, I sat on it for a little bit. And then it's like, the signs started to pop in. It's like, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. And that's a good, by the way, that's another good thing is ask for the sign. Like, just ask for the sign. But if you're going to ask for the sign, you have to be open to the sign as well. Right. Yeah. So I remember asking for so many signs. Actually, you want a funny story? Um, We were in, we were living in California. This was right before we, no, this is when we just moved to California. Yeah. Right before the pandemic, actually. And I was moving, uh, I was going to Phoenix, Arizona for uh, a conference. And I was reading Gabby Bernstein's uh, Universe Has Your Back, right? And she was like, ask for signs, ask for signs. I was like, okay. And so I was working on some things and I'm like, let universe 
show me a hummingbird if I'm on the right path. Okay, something simple. Now, if I had been at my house in Hermosa, I had a hummingbird feeder. And so that would be a bit of a bad sign because they lived at my house. Yeah. And in Phoenix, Arizona, in the downtown area, not a lot of hummingbirds popping by. And so I figured that would be a challenging one, right? So I go down and I have these two girls. We're um, staying in an apartment together and you know, we're in, you know, going through the three days or whatever of the event. And I, I told them, I was like, yeah. Um, oh no, I didn't tell them yet. So I go to the last night of the event. We have this uh, party and one of the girls comes over that I had been mentoring. And she says, I brought you a gift. I said, well, I don't need gifts, but thank you. That's very kind of you. And I opened it and I opened this box and I pulled out a glass and it was like a wine glass. She said, I know you like wine. So I bought you a wine glass. I was like, oh, that's so kind. She goes, no, you got to open it. I was like, okay. So I pull it out. It has a hummingbird on it. And I was like, oh my God. Then I tell the two girls that I had been rooming with. And I said, okay, you guys are going to think that I'm completely batshit crazy. <laughs> However, I, I was on the plane and I asked for the universe for a sign. And I said, bring me a hummingbird. And then tonight this, and one of the girls goes, that's a hummingbird. And I said, yeah. And she goes, hold on. And she goes in the other room. She comes out with a purse that had, it was like, I don't know how to explain the purse, but it was like, well, not quilted, but sewn somehow. And it had a hummingbird on it. That was the bird. She goes, I've literally been using this all weekend. It's a hummingbird. And I was like, this is so crazy. So you have to be open to it, right? But ask for the signs because your inner being wants to give you guidance. And they also want to let you know they're there, but you have to be open to it, you know? And I might sound like a complete crazy person to everybody right now. Anybody who's who's been listening over the last, you know, since I've started this, will get the gist of the, as we, as everyone says, the woo-woo-ness, the batshit craziness, even the guys I work with, it's like, no, this is, it's not, it just pay attention. Right. Just keep your eyes open. And why not? Like literally what's the worst that can happen if you're grateful for where you are. If you create a vision for your life, you have gratitude for the things in it right now, but you're excited about where you're going. You ask for signs along the way and you listen for your intuition. There's nothing crazy or batshit about that. That is all what we are capable of. We're all capable of creating our own destiny, our own future, If you told me when I was 25 years old in probably, no, I wasn't 25. I was 24 uh, because I was with Rob when I was 25. (laughs) At 24 years old, it was probably like the, one of the darker times of my life where I was in a really bad place. If you told me then that in less than 20 years, this is the life you'd be living and you'd have be coming up on your 20th anniversary with the most amazing man in the world, living in the city you always wanted to live in with two incredible daughters and doing things you love to do. At that moment, I would have thought you were crazy, Mm -hmm. but that life can be created and it's taken time. It's taken work. It's taken personal work, personal growth. It's taken, listen to the intuition 
Um, but it's been worth it. Yeah, it it always is. Right. And a lot of people don't want to do the work. Let's be real. I mean, for whatever reason. Well, I think, you know what it is? I don't think they're lazy. I don't think they no. believe that it works. That's, I think it's belief. And I think if they, if they were guaranteed success, they would do it, but because they're not, they don't. That's why people like a paycheck. They think it's a guarantee until they get fired or until they get right. Yeah. But it's like, there's, there are no guarantees on anything, but why not do the best you can to live a great life? Right. Like why not design a life that you absolutely love? Like why not dream bigger like that? You know? Well, I love what you're sharing. You and you and Rob are sharing in the world because more people need to understand that it is. And looking at what you guys have created, it's the, if she, if she can, I can, right? Like it just takes the vision and being really fucking committed and clear to it. And then, like you said, once you committed to moving to Italy, how everything just literally fell into place for you. It was, it was pulling us here. Like we could not have stopped that (laughs) if we tried, it was insane, but it like talk about being in alignment. Like that was some massive alignment because we had such clarity on it. There was no wavering in that for us. We were like, it'll happen. And by the way, moving to Italy is not easy. (laughs) Getting a visa to live in a foreign country as an immigrant especially in Italy, Italy is not exactly known for their immigration policy. Like living in Italy, like getting a visa to live here is not a piece of cake. Is really not. Um, but it was meant for us, yeah. you know? Yeah. It was meant for us. I'm sorry, I live near a hospital. So you hear yeah. the siren. I don't, I don't. But how, I mean, you know I, know, I know where you are and I can, I, I see the Duomo. I see it. Um, so, I mean, we've covered so much and I appreciate so much of your time. So I would like to respect that, but where can, um, where can people find you if they are inspired by this to play bigger and, but bigger, meaning not always the fancy cars, but just a bigger life in general, Mm -hmm. um, where can they find you work with you all the things? Yeah. Uh, well, I'll send you some links and you can put them in the show notes to make it easy, but I would say you can connect with me on Instagram, uh, Kim Murgatroyd, good luck spelling the last <laughs> name, and you can go to friedate.blog and we have all kinds of updates there. You can opt in to be on our email list. We send out a weekly email as well as lots of other little fun things, um, to help you design the life that you want. Amazing. And of course the podcast, I'll put all that in the show notes and yes, thank you so, so much. And I know that it's, uh, um, it's been a journey and I feel like I said, when you see people that are doing and being and having the things that you desire and dream that it's possible. Mm -hmm. And I think having this podcast episode out there will certainly inspire people to dream a little bit bigger. Well, I hope so. I hope so, because anything is possible, whether somebody else has already done it or not, just takes one, you know, and uh, 
you can live the life you are meant to. You can, but you just have to get really clear on what that is, stay in the alignment of it and uh, take the inspired action. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you have loved this episode, please share it with someone who you know needs to hear it today. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you love this episode, make sure you subscribe and share it with someone who you think would love it too. And a five-star review helps get the Spiritual Shift Worker podcast out to those that need it most. I can't wait to connect with you online, so make sure you follow me on Facebook at The Spiritual Shift Worker and on Instagram at Lianne Magahi. It's time to enjoy the shift, one breath at a time.